Education Conversations. We are having a conversation with uh, Professor Zahir Ahmed, who's an academic director at Mancosa. And we're talking about the challenges that students have faced thus far and the fact that these challenges and disruptions have made them better teachers for the 21st century, better uh, students, better people to churn out into the working world and the the big, great uh, world of working and business and so on. A-Team is joining on the conversation on 086-000-2032 or WhatsApp 614 You can also SMS <coughs> 41391. Professor Zahir, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Patricia. Uh, good evening to you all. So you've penciled down an article after taking a look at the challenges that uh, the students for the last two years have been having, especially those who are currently in high school. Talk to us about what inspired you to pencil down this article and also uh, what lens were you using to observe these young learners? So I think that um, much of the narratives, Patricia, that we've been reading in the last year or so, have really painted a very dim and gloomy picture about um, the outlook and potential results that may uh, be experienced as a result of COVID and the teaching through COVID and how that may have impacted grade 12. And I think certainly, you know, there have certainly been a number of negative implications for grade 12 who are currently writing the grade 12 examination. Um, A year that caps 12 to 13 years of schooling for them. But in all of this, I think, uh, I believe that there's been some advantages and some potential lessons that we can uh, take away from this. And in particular, the resilience of our students and the youth of our country has and potentially will show uh, very well in that students have to pivot from very structured learning, uh, very organized classroom arrangements uh, to a very uh, disrupted learning environment. And they had to then learn with incomplete educational resources. They had to learn uh, with incomplete information. They had to take self-ownership of their education. And this really propelled them into a space where they were embarking on a, a new journey of education. And as such, I think that that has resulted in our grade 12, developing certain skills overnight, which certainly helps them uh, better present themselves into the new phase of life, which would be post-school education, and for some of them, the world of work. So not all disruptions are always bad. Uh, Sometimes they do reshape our thinking and our views when it comes to life. And I know as parents and guardians, we are always so so worried for our children, right? We're always so worried that, will our children make it? Will our children, it's not fair for our children. But from what you're saying, it's very clear that students are resilient and they are able to learn new skills, um, especially on the soft skill side that are not taught in the textbooks. So when it comes to some of these soft skills, uh, Prof, what are they that are going to help them um, advance quicker and better in life? So, so just one qualification, you know, I, and I must impress upon this, is that um, 
these soft skills that we, you may be referring to, which you would have noted in the press uh, article that we've produced, uh, we believe to be really valuable. But that doesn't take away that, yes, indeed, there are certain continuing challenges that students would face. But as I look back at it, students would have been forced to work independently. They had to work within certain time constraints and time limitations. Um, they had to work perhaps in an environment where new technologies, even though they may be very limited technologies, but new technologies were forced upon them. Um, they had to develop a sense of self-time management. They had to work with others that they may have not met virtually. And when we look at all of those technical skills and the soft skills, that then tells us then these are the skills that they would really be facing in the post-school environment, an environment where they may be working or in an environment where higher education is no different from that that they would have experienced through learning through COVID. And as such, the early exposure into this world of um, online learning would have then granted them the opportunity to develop these skills um, and gain confidence in them, thereby allowing them to pursue education, post-school uh, post education, beyond just traditional opportunities of higher education, which we know to be contact-based um, learning. Um, so I think that for those that would be ending up into university, they certainly have an advantage. And for those that end up in a few years in the world of work, they would be utilizing the same skills of self-management, time management, self-ownership uh, of their outcomes, of learning, of development. Um, and this allows them then to be far more competitive in a globalized society. Well, you know, Prof, when I'm listening to what you are saying right now, I, it, it's very clear that when I was in uh, high school, I was not exposed to what these young people are exposed to. And I never got the opportunity to be stretched the way they are being stretched. As much as I would want to feel sorry for them that they've had a tough time, but they've really proved their resilience. Let's talk about, um, you know, what is being encouraged right now in higher education institutions and also in the world of work when it comes to innovation? So I think um, like school education would have undergone rapid um, disruption, so too has high education. In fact, high education institutions uh, ought to be already rethinking the, the relevance of the education, uh, the type of graduates that we are producing. And the conversations between students, parents, communities, employers, the labor market, and government around this aspect has been heightened. And as we think about then, how do we bring in the positives and how do we bring in innovation to better respond to this education demand, then it's forcing higher education institutions to really rethink what the world of work um, and what the economies that we work in require and how to better bridge that gap for the student to produce a student that is ready for the new phase of life. I think that's a really exciting opportunity. Uh, when I look back uh, the last 20 years, the, the 2008 financial crisis gave us a reason to rethink higher education, um, but that quickly fizzled out. And thereafter, we, we sort of continued 
uh, looking at higher education in very traditional lenses. But the COVID pandemic has given us such a, a shock to the system that we know that we cannot go back to what was traditionally known to be education and post-school educational experiences. Indeed. The employers mm. have spoken and they have told us what they require. And they are looking for transferable skills. They are looking for graduates who are agile, graduates who can apply themselves across spaces, graduates who can um, function beyond traditional silo areas of science or work, and graduates who are able to bring in technical and soft skills that go beyond just a traditional workflow. Yeah, A-team is joining in this conversation. I want to hear from you. As a parent to a, a young person who either matriculated um, in the last two years or is about to matriculate, how are you feeling? Are you feeling that this disruption in education and the way we are living, um, you know, the challenges that these young people have to face? I know this year it's, it's a difficult year. Yes, COVID restrictions have been limited, but we still have load shedding to contend with, water, um, you know, shedding that we need to contend with. So these young people are looking at, uh, you know, a landscape that's very different from what other young people have faced when they are going through grade 12. Are you anxious about it? Or are you also optimistic like Professor Zahir Ahmed that this is a good thing for them in hindsight because it will open them up and stretch their abilities to be able to handle situations when they get into higher education institutions and in the world in the world of work. So join in on the conversation. You can uh, send SMSs to 41391 or, or you can WhatsApp 0614 SMSs, um, you can call in as well on 86 Education Conversations. In the Education Conversations, we are talking to Professor Zahir Ahmed, who is an academic director at Mancosa. And uh, our conversation is around how the, uh, the state of what we've been facing as South Africans and global citizens uh, when it comes to COVID-19, the economic downfall, or, um, looking at the issues of load shedding and every other aspect that has changed the way young people have had to study is impacting them uh, to become better rather than them to become um, fearful of the future, but it's making young people become better uh, and to become better teachers. This is a beautiful way to view uh, challenges, uh, find the opportunity as opposed to looking at the threats and being fearful, right? So this is the conversation we're having and I've opened up and would love to hear from you as A-teamers. Our WhatsApp number is 0614104107. Please do join in on it. And also from the educator's point of view, I mean, as an educator, when you look at your young people, uh, are, are you are you worried about their ability? Um, are you feeling as if they're not going to make it in the great big world? Or are you also optimistic and have seen how resilient young people and young minds are and how innovative they've been um, taking on to online learning all of a sudden, being able to adjust to rotational timetables at school? So let us know. You can also call in on 86 2032 
I've got a voice note here, but we'll play it in a bit. So let me come back to you, Professor Zahir Ahmed. In terms of your institution, Mancosa, I mean, you were talking earlier that uh, companies and corporate are coming back to you to talk about what they are looking for. Um, the research and development that you do on all your courses, how important is it? And also, how can young people start getting uh, start to getting to know what it is that they need in terms of soft skills before entering higher education institutions? Thank you, uh, Patricia. Yeah, uh, I mean, when all higher education institutions looks to develop programs and offer programs, uh, like Mencosa would, we would need to look at what's the need out there, what are the type of uh, skills that are required in a particular sector, and how can we provide a program that's compelling enough to ensure that those that do enter the program, firstly, find it exciting, uh, inspires them to continue the program, and then once completed, is armed with both the technical and soft skills to apply their trade. Now, when we listen to employers, and, and I mentioned earlier on, the voice of the employers have become far more um, amplified. And the reason for that is that we know of job cuts that are taking place. We know of employers that are seeking to actually employ people with multidisciplinary talent. And as such, they are giving us a lot of feedback as to the nature and the type of graduate. We call it graduateness that is being required. So when we have to look at our programs and how our programs fit the purpose of um, education and the transformation of a student's life, we then reflect upon that and then try and find the best possible way to develop a curriculum, uh, the best possible way to teach a particular area, and the best possible way to support students through the various phases of learning to ensure that they get through the program successfully. What's critical, and I must say that over the years we've noticed that students who are able to study whilst working often have the great advantage over a student that would spend all of their time studying for a particular degree um, and not gaining real-life work exposure. So again, when we talk to employers about mentorship programs, about uh, work-integrated learning opportunities, they are really excited about that to expose our students into the real work environment whilst they are studying. So when you look at students that study whilst working, they would have already been exposed to people and to diverse contexts. They would have already been responsible to wake up early in the morning and structure their time and get to work and structure the day to get to the educational objectives, whilst also trying to meet the societal, social, sporting, and healthcare um, goals of their life. They, they, they would have their studies they in the same amount of time, but they are far more ready for the real world. And I think, you know, these are, are, I don't know if a textbook could be created, right? Especially for grade 10s, 11s, and 12s, that change management, adapting to change. These are things that should be put in a textbook and uh, case studies such as COVID-19, the, 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 the flooding that we had that disrupted schooling earlier this year. Those sort of lessons should be taught to our young people because if we go without any disruptions in the next five years, 
then the next cohort of students <coughs> will not have this sort of experience, which is quite critical for them. Absolutely. Um, disruption of all forms and different forms is going to be a constant experience. My greater concern, Patricia, is that while students are, are resilient, while students are adaptive and agile, because they know no other, they hopefully would be given the right level of motivation and support from people like ourselves who are parents and members of society. But in doing so, members of society and educators themselves need to go through processes of change to adapt to those conditions. And then we ask ourselves, are teachers that are currently in our schools given the level of support to develop them and give them the necessary skills to help students through the change process. And when I think about making the students the center of our existence, I can't forget that the teacher is the most critical part and the parent then the most second most critical part in making that ecosystem an enabling one to ensure students are adaptive, agile, responsive towards success. Mm, and I do agree with you. Can we go through some of uh, the career guidance uh, initiatives that you have at Mancosa for um, young minds uh, so they can start uh, figuring out what it is that they can uh, learn? Yeah, so at Mancosa, we've got a career center. Um, the career center is really there to provide students with information on, uh, firstly, what is life after work, after school? Uh, beyond just the qualifications that they could actually follow through. So what's life like out there? What opportunities exist? What is the data showing us in terms of employment? How can we look at alternatives to just employment? And what are the pathways of learning that one could pursue to not just be employed, but to create employment? And I think that's the key. So the, the career center that we have exposes students to a wide range of opportunities firstly and then once we've established that the student has a particular leaning the student has a particular set of grades potentially we then would look at programs and specializations and professions that make sense to the student ultimately we allow the students and we promote the idea that the students must take ownership of what they would like to do so the Career Center has this information, but also allows young people to go into opportunities where they could be mentored, spend a day or two, or even perhaps a week um, in the real life, uh, real work life, and be attached to people in industry to see what it really means to be out there. And through these experiences, develop a more informed perspective as to what they would like to do. We could do this both online for those students that cannot get to a learning center at Mancosa, mm -hmm. or we could do it in person at a learning center. And does it cost the student anything? And uh, should the student be committed to studying at Mancosa in order for them to get this great benefit of uh, career guidance? Please repeat that. Does it cost the student anything? Uh, is there a cost attached to them getting this sort of career guidance? No, absolutely no cost. In fact, uh, there shouldn't be a cost for this. It's higher education has a responsibility to provide good independent counsel to the youth of this country to make informed decisions. So absolutely no cost to students for that. In fact, we need to give them a wide range of options and help them through the decision-making process as a responsibility of higher education institutions.
And is this irregardless of if the student will be studying with Mincosa in the future or not? Absolutely. So, you know, our purpose is to contribute towards the advancement of the youth. And if that means us advising students and guiding them towards professions and programs that Mencosa does not necessarily offer, we will still be successful if the student goes on and registers at another institution. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which is a great thing, which is an absolutely great thing. So students, how do they get in touch with Mencosa to get, whether it's the online or in-person, career guidance uh, that you're offering? So the easiest way, and almost every student has access to a, a cell phone, the easiest would be to go onto the Mencosa website. Um, on the Mencosa website, they would find a whole host of information. Firstly, they would find information on how to contact Mencosa, depending on which region they may be in. Mencosa is uh, a national organization that has learning centers across all provinces and main cities. So go onto the website www.mencosa.co.za. There's a prospectus there. There's information on the different schools and programs, as well as the career center and careers that can be pursued. If students want to actually walk into a learning center, they must be free to do so, and they would be met with someone who would sit them down and have a conversation about, uh, with them related to their objectives and ideals. We've got a WhatsApp voice note here. Let's go to it. Uh, good evening, Aitimas and the Prof. Um, prof, you spoke about uh, soft skills and all those kind of things. But my question is, Prof, do we know of certain careers that maybe people are studying towards that might be irrelevant, say, in the next 10 years? And how do we identify those careers which are going to be absolute in the next coming 10 years? Are we able to identify them and uh, maybe educate our learners about them? Good question. Uh, Prof, please do respond. Interesting question. I'd like to maybe change the lens slightly. Okay. I think we are, we are not able to um, meaningfully or in an absolute way establish what careers may not be in existence. However, we can certainly identify what skills will be required. And if we identify the skills that would be required into the future, that influences our ability to actually look at particular career paths in a more meaningful way. So, for example, there are many jobs that now exist that didn't exist 10 years ago. But I would look at what skills would exist now that didn't exist previously mm. and what skills would be required into the future. The, the, the data that we are getting is that these soft and technical skills relate to digital technologies. It relates to things like blockchain programming. It relates to coding and robotics. And it refers to what we refer to as transferable skills. So it's a skill that can be applied irrespective of profession or sector. You would require the same skills irrespective of being in healthcare or engineering or education or the public sector for that matter. So I would encourage the caller as well as those listening is let's try and identify the critical 21st century skills as opposed to trying to box it into particular career pathways. And, and also, I think, you know, 
in, in, in terms of making sure that young people are exposed to all that is available to them, and when I'm talking exposure, I'm not only talking about what to study, but what will be relevant 10 years from now. Because um, some of these courses might not even be available um, at even your higher education institution. Or they might be, but they will be come tweaked as time goes on. So I think the exposure for young people is very critical for me um, in terms of all the spheres of study. Absolutely correct. And that's why I've mentioned that the first line of engagement with a prospective student or a school leaver is speaking about opportunities and what work, what life can be post-school. And that, accepting that higher education is supporting all of that. But it's incredibly important to also expose students to the fact that we need to change the mindset of studying for employment. And I think that that's a critical factor. Historically, we always looked at, I need to study and acquire a degree and then get employed. Mm, mm. In South Africa, as a dynamic economy, an economy that is promoting entrepreneurship, new venture creation, there's a number of opportunities for young people to look at building careers towards self-sustaining themselves. And while self-sustaining themselves creates opportunities of employment and ideas for others, that then becomes a virtuous cycle of benefits, which then creates greater competition, more products, more services, more people starting small businesses. It creates a greater network for young people. And from there, hopefully, they find themselves in an environment and ecosystem that's promoting and encouraging of this that will have greater level of success. Now, Professor Ahmed, in terms of some of uh, you know the courses that you're offering at Mencosa, can you take us through them? And especially those that young people are able to engage in online uh, or distance learning, because this is the new thing, isn't it? When young people have now been exposed to being able to attend their classes online, they might want to continue in this trajectory. Okay, so Mencosa offers a whole range of programs, formal learning programs. It's important to distinguish. We offer programs from a higher certificate level to a doctoral level. So beyond what career pathway, most students will not gain access to a degree program as a result of potentially grade 12 results. They still have an opportunity with Mencosa and for that matter other institutions to still enter higher education through doing a high certificate and then progressing thereafter towards a degree program and thereafter an honors or a postgraduate level and then pursuing a master's and hopefully at some day um, a relevant doctoral level program. So Mancosa offers the full bouquet of studies and most of our students actually once they enter the formative learning with us, they continue into the postgraduate education. So that's as far as studying over a number of levels with Mancosa. Then there is a whole range of programs. We offer 54 higher education programs across all areas of commerce and management, from finance to digital marketing to corporate communication, tourism and hospitality management, accounting and finance projects, supply chain management. It's a long list. 
But there are a number of schools within Mancosa that students could look to actually register with. So the Mancosa School of Education has been um, in running for about six years now. And we have a number of students that want to do teacher education and become teachers that will go to the Mancosa School of Education. Um, we have the Mancosa School for Digital and Information Technology for those that would like to pursue a pathway, a career pathway in IT and digital technologies. We've recently lost, uh, launched a Mancosa School for Health, where students could then pursue uh, various programs related to allied healthcare. So the information is on the website. It covers across a number of disciplines of commerce, management, education, digital technologies, and healthcare. And how do uh, we get in touch with Mancosa uh, for the parents and also the students who are tuned in right now? So the easiest way is to, either if the student or the parent wants to contact someone in person, go to a Mancosa Learning Center across the country, and you could walk in and there's a student advisor that will be willing to actually engage with you. Beyond that, you can ask to speak to an academic staff member will be able to guide you through um, the programs that you may be interested in. So walking uh, into a learning center is the first option. Perhaps the easiest option is to go onto the Mencosa website, access all of the information. We've got um, a chat facility. You could chat to a student advisor uh, via our website, or you could then call the various numbers for the various different learning centers. Um, and it's on our website. I could give it to you if you would like on air. Please go ahead. Give us the number. So it's 0861-626-2672. Essentially, it's 0861 Mancosa. Simple as that. Uh, Prof, yep. thank you very much for joining us and also for um, giving us a different perspective when it comes to the challenges we've faced and our young people and their learning. You have made me more optimistic and now I will not be anxious <laughs> for the young people, especially the class of 2022. No, it's been an absolute pleasure and maybe a parting shot to those writing grade 12s if that's possible. Go ahead. Yeah, to those that are writing grade 12, this is just but one part of your journey into adulthood. If you survive well, which we wish, the world is your oyster. If you have challenges, this is not the end. There are a number of opportunities for you to still progress towards your desired career pathways. Please make sure that you give this your best shot and recognize that irrespective of what happens, there are opportunities for you and for the parents out there, be mindful of the change and the anxiety that parents are, that students are going through at this point in time. It is most incredibly important that we nurture, support, guide them, and also allow for them to actually go through this process knowing that you are there behind them and supportive of them. They are the future, our future, and this is an incredibly important time that they feel that irrespective of what the outcome could be, we believe in them and will support them. You know, before I let you go, Prof, I was about to let you go, but uh, Joe has sent a, a question that I think we should be answering. Um, Joe would like to know, what are the sort of costs uh, for education at Mancosa? Oh, struck me a little bit there. But nevertheless, I'm just currently looking at the website. <laughs> yeah. The highest certificate programs 
at Mancosa start of around 12 to 13,000 rand. That includes all of the study material, there's, uh, all of the, the, the lectures that students would access, including of the assessments. Um, the degree programs are, are around 35 to 40,000 rand for the, for the year of study. And this, again, includes, there are no hidden costs. This includes printed study materials, which would be courier to students, which they could use in the comfort of their homes. This includes access to the learning management system, which has all of the learning materials, access to a lecturer, access to your classroom, um, and importantly, access to perhaps one of the greatest online libraries you will have access to. So when a student registers with Mencosa, the student could literally study from the comfort of their home without having the need to get to a physical space. Uh, in terms of other fees, uh, I would encourage students to go onto the website and get the fees specifically. Most importantly, since inception, Mencosa has recognized the issue of affordability and access. And when it came to student fees, we try and maintain the most lean approach to student fees. All right. And in doing so, we have flexible payment plans for students because most students and parents cannot afford to pay the mm. entire fees like most institutions require mm. of them mm. upfront. And we recognize that we exist because we need to be promoting access to higher education. As a result, we provide students with the opportunity to pay for their studies whilst they are studying over a number of months which allows them to make education more affordable and accessible. <laughs> Questions still keep coming in, but now time has gone. Keith, unfortunately, we can't answer this one. Go to Mancosa's um, website, uh, as Prof has given to us, and then find out he's looking for an undergrad teaching and tutoring job. Uh, Prof, thank you very much for joining us. Have a good evening. Hopefully, we'll have another conversation soon. My pleasure. Thank you.